Hey, folks, welcome back. Another great episode today. Zooming in from beautiful Ontario, we've got Felix Vortsman, who is a very accomplished real estate entrepreneur. Actually, you know what? Felix is up to all sorts of things. He's originally a CPA. He's a real estate investor who's kind of moved up from single family homes into multifamily properties and all sorts of things in between. He's a realtor. He's an author. He's a coach. He's all sorts of great things. Very busy guy. Welcome to the show, Felix. Nice to meet Thank you. you nice to have you here. Yeah. Thank you for having me, Dave. All right. Well, we were talking a little bit offline that you first got started in real estate way back in 1998 with some house hacking and then jumped in with both feet starting in 2010. So tell us a little bit about your your backstory and your real estate investing journey. Well, back in 98, I started actually back in 96. I used my OSAP money from my university days. Uh-huh. To purchase my first property because I decided to work full time throughout school. And instead of paying back my OSAP, I decided to use the OSAP money as a down payment. So for money. people who don't know what OSAP means, what does that mean? It's an Ontario savings. It's basically the government assistance for university students. Got it. All right. So you weren't using that to eat like craft dinner like everybody else used for, for a down payment on a house. <laughs> awesome. All right. So that got you into your first property and then what did you do? Rent out rooms to other university students and kind of house hack that way or what? Eventually. So we owned that property for a, a year. It was a uh-huh. condo. It was the first and last condo I ever owned. Eventually, I realized that, you know, I still have to pay for this thing out of pocket every month. So I decided to sell it at a $5,000 loss, which was big money back then. That was for a university student back in 96, 97. That's a lot of money. Absolutely. And decided to buy a semi-detached home with a uh, basement, a separate entrance to the basement and decided to rent out the three rooms to some students and found that the students were paying pretty much all of our carrying costs other than maybe utilities. So we went from paying everything to paying bupkis, you know, two, three hundred dollars a month, basically, yeah. while living on the main floor, you know, which was great. And then was basically, you know, had a period of about 10 years analysis paralysis, you know, uh, after the financial crisis, explored Florida for a little while, but my wife did not want to move down to Florida. So started looking locally and slowly but surely started investing in the outlying areas of the greater golden horseshoe outside of the GTA, because the numbers stopped working in the GTA. Yeah, makes sense. So Felix, I was reading through your information and one of your claims to fame is I think you're the, you call yourself the triplex king. Is that the right terminology there? So I'm curious, what does that mean? Well, I pioneered the process of converting a single family home without any additions, without any minor variances, without any rezoning, using only the existing building envelope to convert a single family bungalow of every iteration you can think of, back splits, side splits, raised bungalows with garages, without garages into three legal units. Legal? Okay. I was was going to ask you, yeah, anybody could probably do that, but is it conforming? Is it legal? So without having to get any variances, without having to change zoning or anything like that, you're able to turn these into three or four units from one single house. And why is that? Or how is that? How does that work? Well, there was only one municipality in all of Ontario that allowed it back in 2018. I found this property. I was doing two unit conversions at that stage, you know, progressed there. So I was doing that for a number of years. And I found this rather larger bungalow side split. And I asked my planner, it was a home run as a two unit, but I'm like going, can we do this as a three? Mm. And he made some inquiries with his municipality and lo and behold, they allowed us to do it and started doing that in 2018. Now in Ontario, just at the end of last year, they finally passed uh, the building more homes 
Faster Act. So they actually are allowing this all across Ontario as of right. But I've been doing this for the last five years, helping my clients do the same. And, you know, we've been doing extremely well on it. Clearly, cash flow has been phenomenal on it. And it's probably one of the very few strategies in Ontario, given the high real estate prices, where you can actually still at least break even, maybe even get a bit of cash flow, even with today's high interest rates. So, yeah, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So just paint us a picture of how are you taking a a single family home bungalow and not tearing it down, not doing any major exterior modifications and turning that sucker into a threeplex? Sure. So there's a couple of considerations. Parking, obviously. So you want to make sure the lot is wide enough to accommodate if you need to build more widened parking spaces or uh, driveway spaces. Basically, you know, electrical safety authority requirements, you know, upgrading electrical service, usually upgrading the water lines. But generally speaking, I mean, it's a very efficient and cost effective way of actually completing a three unit conversion because all the services are within the property. So Mm -hmm. you're really running the sewage lines, the water lines to where they need to be already in the property. So there's no need to basically dig out another sewage line, for example, there's no need for you know exterior additions. This and by the way, when I say triplexes, I don't mean laneway housing or coach houses or garden suites. This is a much more if cost-effective way of achieving these results. Yeah. And in fact, for my own clients, I usually try to turn them away from doing those other three unit conversion types, simply because of the the barriers to entry and the costs involved. In most cases, I recommend it. It's not that I recommend they don't do it, but just like everything else, real estate, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it or whether this is the right time to do it. So, of course, look at future uh, potential at a property to achieve highest and best use. But in the meantime, this is a great way to increase your cash flow or even realize some cash flow in today's high interest rate environment. Yeah. And it's probably one of the very few ways to get to achieve that in the Southern uh, Greater Golden Horseshoe Market in Ontario. Very cool, Felix. So give me an example of, of a recent one, if you would, kind of paint the the picture of what did the house look like before? Let's let's say a bungalow. What was it? Did it have a basement? And give or take, you know, big broad strokes with the numbers. What did that kind of look like? Let's just so, get a better idea. So I've done every single iteration of bungalow you can think of, back splits, side splits. Well, just, pay, just pick one and, and paint the picture of that one. Okay. First. So the cookie cutter stuff that I like is yeah. the four-level side splits, although it's not a necessity. Typically, four-level side splits typically have four levels in the home. You know, the main floor is typically two levels, whether you have the kitchen, living room, dining room on one level, you go up five or six stairs steps to the bedroom levels where there's usually a bathroom. Yeah. And then there's an entrance into the basement, right? The basement is also two levels. So what I typically do, and some of them will have garages, some of them won't. Typically, if they do have a garage, if I need more space, I will actually finish off the garage into living space. And in most instances, we'll actually keep the exterior garage door to maintain the facade of a regular looking home, mm-hmm. but behind, but it's no different than siding or brickwork. Okay. Right. So behind that, the garage door is actually could be a bedroom, could be a kitchen, could be a living room. You know, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I'm... one of the things that we do there, but, but again, not a necessity. You, you have to know what to look for effectively. And then each one of the lower level, lower levels in, of the basement, we create into two separate apartments. And depending on the size of the property, I mean, you know, an 1150 square foot bungalow, for example. We're typically looking at two one-bedroom apartments below. Yeah. If you're getting into the 1,400 square foot range, 
you could get two two bedroom apartments below and a three or four bedroom unit upstairs. Very with nice. Own, all of them yeah. with their own separate kitchens, bathrooms, laundry facilities, separate hydro panels, separate water meters. You know, you could choose your own adventure. You could do separate heating as well, but, you mm-hmm. know, law of diminishing returns effectively at that stage. So bottom line is typically wave the realistic magic wand. You're looking for a property big enough to put two units in the basement is kind of. Again, not, not necessary. We've done ranches where there's one unit in the basement, one unit on the main floor, and it just so happened a two-car attached garage that we created into a one-bedroom unit. Okay, there you go. Um, All right. Right. Yeah, that, that'll that make. And now, what kind of a bump does that typically in create in the value of the property after the smoke clears? Well, here's the problem. I found the same challenge when I was started doing two unit conversions. Again, I was kind of at the forefront of that. Yeah. The bump up in the value, you're not getting it because there's not really much in the way of comps because you're still qualifying for, you know, residential mortgage financing, Mm -hmm. right? As opposed to commercial financing. And as a result of that, you know, appraisers are looking for comps. Well, Mm -hmm. guess what? If you're just starting up basically doing these type of projects, there's not really much in the way of comps. Or their comps are basically really crappy duplexes, triplexes out there in really crappy areas of town, which is comparing apples to oranges. Yeah. So it takes it takes a bit of time for the market, you know, for a lot of some individuals to complete these projects, maybe sell them two, three years down the road so you can get that level of comps. Mm-hmm. So generally speaking, you know, the whole periods might be a bit longer, could be shorter, depending on where the orga- market is going organically outside yeah. of the triplex thing. You know, we've been fortunate in Ontario where the market was going crazy, basically, for yeah, the last yeah. uh, several years, up until about a year and a half ago. So we were able to perfectly burr a lot of these properties out or do partial burrs out of them. But, but, even if but that, that wasn't really forced appreciation. That was just, that well, was the freakish nature of the market at the time, correct, kind of thing, right? Correct. Yeah. But, but the nice thing is, like I said, you do, I mean, typically, as a bare bones minimum, I usually try to pull out at least the renovation costs. Maybe yeah. do a secondary refi or don't do a refi and just collect the, the coupon right? Yeah. because your cash flow is going to be substantially higher if you don't do that refi as well. So give or take, and I completely understand every property is going to be different, but absolutely over the last few years that you and your clients and students have, have been doing this, what would you say is kind of the average ballpark figure for a cost for doing a a conversion like this? Wow, that's another fantastic idea. Hold on to that thought for a sec. We'll be right back. Now, are you a real estate investor who's run out of cash or credit to grow your portfolio? Are you looking to grow your portfolio using other people's money and raising capital? Well, I want to show you how to raise six figures or more in six weeks or less at my upcoming Investor Attraction Workshop. You can get your ticket and find out all about it at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. We're going to spend a full day taking a deep dive into this roadmap that I've used to raise millions for my deals. And I've helped other people just like you cumulatively raise hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars for their deals as well. So again, you can check that out at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. And as a loyal listener to the podcast, you'll get 50% off your ticket when you use the discount code podcast. That's right. Discount code podcast at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. See you at the next workshop. Well, the costs have definitely increased in price. Of course. The so give or take these days, what, what would you say these days? I would call it, 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 it a lot of variables. Maybe, Maybe a range. Range, I would say anywhere from, and depending on what you want to do, anywhere from around 225000 to about 300000 Yeah. Okay. That's kind so of They're not cheap, right? No, the of course not. Right. But it's probably one of the only options still available in the uh, Southern Ontario. 
mm-hmm. uh, where you can actually get some cash flow out of these properties and you know mitigate your risks, right? Because you have more tenants living there, the propensity for them, you know, all of them not paying rent at the same time is very low. Yeah. Right? So yeah. In, in a lot of ways, you kind of de-risk uh, the asset and the investment itself by doing one of these conversions while also achieving positive cash flow. And if so, interest rates go so in yeah. in in the golden horseshoe area that you're buying these properties at, you're looking at give or take what kind of a price range to get into one of these properties. What what's yeah. the average price of one of these homes these days? It could be in the low six hundreds to the high seven hundreds. Okay, so let's say it's seven hundred thousand, and let's say we put in three hundred thousand dollars to do the the rental. So now you're up to a million bucks. Mm-hmm. At the end of that, is the property going to appraise at a million bucks or not for a while? At best, at this stage, they're probably going to be looking at two-unit conversions, and the default with the appraisers is always going to be if they can't find a direct appraiser appraisal, then they'll look at a renovated co- property in the neighborhood, which, again, is comparing apples to oranges. But just like the two-unit conversions that we started doing back in 2015, now we have some comps basically for new renovated two units, yeah. and I expect that to happen as well. So. It's been a bit of a crapshoot, to be perfectly honest. You know, yeah, I've had yeah. clients that appraise really well. You know, at the height of the market, I've had one that basically appraised at nine seventy five, as an example. I've had other ones appraised at around eight fifty, right? Which is yeah. kind of on par for the course as a two unit. So you're not necessarily getting the biggest bang for your buck at the, at the initial stage, but that's par for the course with any, you know, strategy that you pioneer in any location. Until yeah, so, but, so bottom line, this really makes sense for somebody who wants to hold on to this property long-term. They're looking for for cash flow. They're looking for all the other profit centers in real estate, not banking on that instant bump from doing the renovation. It's definitely not going to be a perfect burr at this particular moment, most likely, but it's a great way to turn one into three and skyrocket your your cash flow comparatively to just having that same product to, to make it work. In today's environment, yeah. Yeah, if you were going to take cap rates, like like I said, if it was applicable for commercial properties, you'd probably be looking at a price point or a fair market value of well over a million and a half to two mil, yeah. Yeah. based on what they're there. But again, because it's residential financing, we're kind of limited to that. Yeah. And you know, it really depends on what's happening with the market. So the good thing about this type of product, I mean, apart from being an investment grade, is this is essentially what the market is going to be requiring all across the nation. Right. As home prices are going higher and higher in value, less and less people can afford that traditional single family home. And now if they need the space but can't afford it, now they have options. Right. Either bring in an extended family. Everybody has their own independent unit. Grandpa, grandma living in one younger family living in another one, maybe a cousin or a brother basically living in, you know, with, with their spouse living in the in the third. Or you have somebody living on the main floor can't afford the financing themselves as a single family home, but now it gives them the option to basically, you know, claim that rental income in order to qualify for those mortgages. So still gets them into the, into the housing market, into the you know, low rise market. And the cohabita- cohabitation aspects of it is basically what's going to become very popular out of necessity all across yeah. the country. Right. I, um, I can see that happening for sure. Do you and or some of your clients and students turn any of these properties into short-term furnished rentals, medium-term furnished rentals, that kind of thing? Because I can see that definitely helping the cash flow along. Funny you should mention that. The first one I ever did is a mini hotel, okay. short-term rental. Yeah. And the smallest I ever did was a single-car garage that's less than 234 square feet 
Then I converted it into a full one-bedroom apartment. Not a bachelor, a full one-bedroom apartment with a kitchen, bathroom, living room, bedroom, and a fully legal again. And, and that would be perfect for like a short-term rental, right? You could you could be living in the house. You got the the garage rented out, short-term rental or medium-term rental, and you're you're kind of out of out of each other's air. Absolutely, and it costs that that unit specifically costs us probably about thirty five thousand dollars to complete, given its size. Nice. And how much are you renting garage garage uh, spaces basically in your properties? But a hundred dollars a month, you know. Here we we can get an upwards of about four thousand dollars per month plus during the high season. But again, seasonality comes into play. Again, we're not living in Florida. Yeah. You know, it's feast or famine in a lot of cases. But there is that. How should I put it? Not necessarily wow factor, but. People like the whole tiny home movement. So if they want to yeah. actually feel what it feels like to stay in a tiny home, you know, it really appeals to them basically. And, they, and most people have been giving us like phenomenal reviews. They absolutely love the space. Some people say- I, I can see that kind of a space being appealing for medium term rentals as well, you know, for traveling nurses, doctors, professionals, et cetera, that need a place to stay for three or four months instead of we, by the we, night. Yeah. So so that one, I mean, we do have, we have to reconfigure the kitchen for the short-term rental aspects because we opted for more countertop space, although mm. it has the roughens for the washer dryer, but that would come at a cost. Uh, big, right. Yeah. So we don't necessarily have a stove in it at the present time. So, what, but we do have a stove outlet behind one of the kitchen cabinets. We don't have a washer and dryer, but we do have the roughens, including all the electrical and uh, water supply behind the fridge. So all we need to do is maybe rejuggle the, the the kitchen area in order to accommodate that. But for now, we don't really have a laundry facility, although we do have, have had people staying there for over a month. They just have to go to the laundromat to do their laundry. Even though we don't have a stove, we do supply them with an induction uh, cooktop, plug-in cooktop. Okay. So they can still cook meals and stuff like that, but they have much more counter space to do so. It's actually interesting because for seniors, it would be ideal, right? Everything's on one level, uh, low low maintenance, the only thing is tight spaces. So if they have some mobility issues, it may not be the most appropriate product for them. The other short-term rentals that we have, they're in a much larger property, you know, two full two-bedroom units and a mass of 1,400 square foot unit. Those ones, yes, we, we've had people who have whose properties, you know, had a fire or a flood. They've stayed with us for months on end while the insurance companies were paying us. And we do phenomenally well with those types of, uh, of guests. And we prefer them, actually. Very cool. Well, Felix, time flies when we're having fun. If people want to find out more about you, find out more about this whole triplex king thing, <laughs> triplex conversion king thing, what should they do? Where can they go? How can they connect with you? They can either email me at felix at cloud9life.ca. So that's F-E-L-I-X at C-L-O-U-D, the number nine, life.ca. Or connect with me on Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, All over the place. Or go to the website. Or go on the website. Or you can even connect with me on Twitter. Yeah. I'm very easily found. (laughs) Exactly. Well, you you got an easy name to remember. That's for sure, Felix. Well, hey, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks very much for for being on the show. And we'll probably, because we didn't have time to talk about the whole capital raising side of things. So we'll have to have another interview and, and take a dive into that. But thanks again very much for being on the show. Thank you once again, David. Uh, been a pleasure. All right, everybody, take care, and we'll talk to you on the next episode. Well, hey there. Thanks for tuning into the Property Profits Podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, then I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book, 
right back there. There it is. The Money Partner Formula. You can get a PDF version at InvestorAttractionBook.com. Again, InvestorAttractionBook.com. Take care.